Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kivman, and today we are going to talk about a great festive holiday that begins this evening. It is indeed Lag Ba'omer. This is the anniversary of the passing of the great sage and mystic Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who authored the Zohar. This is a very special day, the day when the students of Rabbi Akiva ceased to die. And indeed, it is a day that is celebrated in many ways. Lots of people go out there and have bonfires. It's traditional to light bonfires and like Ba'omer tonight. And of course, this commemorates the immense light that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai introduced into the world through his mystical teachings. Lots of people spend the day outside tomorrow on outdoor activities, going out and playing with imitation bows and arrows, which has its own significance in the fact that our sages tell us that there was no rainbow during the lifetime of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, the Hebrew word keshet, which means bow and arrow, is what also means rainbow, so it is symbolic of that. And we know that rainbows first appeared after the Mabel, Noah's flood, when God promised to never again devastate the world. Well, when the world is deserving of punishment, sadly, then God sends a rainbow instead as a reminder that the world will not be destroyed. But in the times of the great Tana, this sage Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, it was his merit that protected the world, and so there was no need for any rainbow. Well, in my childhood, I always recall very fondly the parades led by the Rebbe, and certainly that was one of the greatest days that I could recall when the Rebbe would be outside and thousands and thousands of people would come. It was always a very special day to celebrate. And of course, Lag Baumer has many important messages for us. Firstly, we talk about the students of Rabbi Akiva. Our sages tell us they died because they did not act respectfully towards each other. Well, of course, Lag Baumer, a day of of parades, of community events, highlights the idea, the imperative to to have more love and unity in our community. So that's certainly one of the important themes of this day. And I would like to take some time today talking a little bit of some of the lesser known aspects and facets about Lagba Omer that I'm sure as many of you perhaps are familiar with or perhaps less familiar with and just be worthwhile to discuss different aspects. You see, last week when we talked about Sfira Sa'omer, the 49-day countdown that we started from Pesach, from the second night of Pesach, and we're counting down to Shavuos because when the Jews left Egypt, it wasn't just a freedom from slavery, but rather it was a freedom too to receive the Torah to our fulfill our divine mandate in this world, which is what we do. And so it was a 49-day countdown to receive the Torah at Mount Sinai. Of course, this is not just about counting days, but every day of the Sphira, we not only count the day, make the day count by working on personal self-refinement during this time. And Lag Ba'omer, which is the 33rd day of this counting, of course, yes, each year it might fall out on a different day in the, in the secular calendar because 
our calendar, unlike the Gregorian calendar, is not strictly solar-based, and unlike the Islamic calendar, is not strictly lunar-based. Ours is one that is a synthesis of both. And so, of course, the Hebrew and secular calendars are not synchronized, and that's why, indeed, Lag Baomer falls out on different days each year. It's always falling out on the 18th of Iyar, which is tonight, but on the Gregorian calendar, for example, last year, Lag Baomer was on a Tuesday in the midst of May, whereas this year it's on a Friday and it's in April, right? So each year that's a little bit different, but Lag Baomer the name Lag Baomer comes from, some people like to pronounce it as Lach Baomer because of the G, but really it's not a English word. It is a two letters. The letter Lamed and Gimel coming together comprises the number 33. So there you go, 33rd day of the Omer counting. Now, some holidays are biblical in origin, others are rabbinical, and others are not holidays, you know. There might be festive days of significance, which Lag Vomer is one of those. It's a day that we celebrate with tremendous joy, with great fanfare, with all the different events that we celebrate Lag Vomer with. At our shul this evening, we'll be having an outdoor socially distanced bonfire and braai, and of course many shuls will be having their special Lag Baomer events. So because we are celebrating this day, it is worthwhile to know and to understand what are we celebrating and what messages and lessons can we of course glean, derive, learn from this significant day on our calendar. So we talked about two particular events. Number one is the students of Rabbi Akiva who died during this time and the plague, the pandemic stopped on Lag Baomer. And the second thing is that one of Rabbi Akiva's students, who was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, he is the one who passed away on this day. So let's just go in that chronological order. When we talk about the students of Rabbi Akiva, it's quite difficult, or at least until Corona came around, to imagine 24,000 students dying from a pandemic. I don't think it's so difficult for us to comprehend that now. Here in our country, already nearly 55,000 casualties from coronavirus, and around the world, sadly, more than 3 million, and perhaps exceedingly much more than that, have already lost their lives from this pandemic. So I guess since a year ago, we've all of a sudden gotten a new understanding of how a pandemic can ravage through a community. And indeed, our sages, the Talmud tells us that 24,000 of Rabbi Akiva's students died during this time. Now, Rabbi Akiva himself, I guess before we talk about his students, I think there's lots of lessons we can learn about him. We just came from Pesach Sheni a few days ago. Pesach Sheni, we talked about last week, and its theme and message to us is it's never too late. Rabbi Akiva, I think, exemplified that message in his life. Because at the age of 40, the Talmud tells us, he was still an ignorant, illiterate, um, <laughs> excuse me, he was a, not a peasant, I didn't mean to say that. He was an ignorant and illiterate shepherd. But thank God he had a wonderful wife who believed in him. And she certainly encouraged him as well 
to study, to learn. And Rabbi Akiva, when he saw how water that was dripping and penetrated a hole within a rock, he realized if the Torah, which is compared by our sages to water, just as water quenches the thirst of an arid body, so does Torah quench the thirst of an arid soul. Well, Torah is the divine wisdom coming from above, just as water descends from above. And so he felt that this water that dripped into the rock and penetrated a hole within it, he felt if he himself was perhaps rock-headed, well, just like the water was able to make, penetrate that hole, well, perhaps he too, if he takes it just incrementally, he could learn too. And so he did until he became one of the greatest sages in Jewish history. And our sages compared his methodology of study to that of a sharecropper. Sharecropper goes out into the field and what does he do? Perhaps places the wheat in one basket and barley in another and spelt in another and beets in yet another, right? Compartmentalizes it. When this sharecropper comes home they or to their factory, they're going to organize everything and put each food item in its rightful place. Well, the Talmud tells us Rabbi Akiva would study various, many disciplines of Jewish wisdom of Torah, and he organized each one in his mind until he knew the entire Torah systematically. And that's the way he taught it to his students. He became such a great repository of Jewish law in his generation that he felt it was his responsibility to ensure the preservation of Judaism, the transmission of Torah to the next generation. So to, to ensure that this knowledge would be accurately transmitted, Rabbi Akiva taught 24,000 students. Now, I would imagine that possibly means, if you think about it, perhaps they weren't all his individual direct students. But if in a classroom today, on average, we have 25 students in a class, then he needed a 1,000 teachers in his school to teach all the classes of students. And each crop of students, so to say, was designated the various leaders of the next generation who were their teachers, who were the direct students of Rabbi Akiva. And tragically, all of these students died during this period of the Omer. And their death was a terrible blow to the future of the Jewish people. The very people who were expected to ensure the transmission of the oral law of Jewish tradition to the next generation were now dead. And so, I guess one could say that the future of Judaism at that stage was now at risk. And although Rabbi Akiva managed to transmit the Torah to his five Talmidim, his students in the south of Israel, there's no question that that plague, that the pandemic of that time impacted the breadth of knowledge that could have been transmitted and preserved by those sages. And just to think about it, it was certainly a terribly difficult time for the Jewish people. This is 50 years after the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash. It was around this time that the Emperor Hadrian enacted terrible, harsh, cruel decrees against the Jews, against the practice of Jewish religion, of any Jewish observance. It was during this time, in fact, that the Bar Kokhba rebellion happened in order to fight off 
the Roman decrees. And so our sages, that's why our sages legislated a whole series of mourning practices that are observed during this time grieving for these students of Rabbi Akiva. That's why customarily, at least from Rosh Chodesh year until today, the meaning the last two and a half weeks at the minimum, at the strictest level, it's from Pesach till Shavuos, except for Lag Ba'omer, and up until three days before Shavuos, that we observe these customs, such as not scheduling any weddings, not taking haircuts, we don't have performances of live music, and uh, many other partic- many other specific restrictions that are practiced during this time of the Omer counting. So the reason for all this is specifically because the students of Rabbi Akiva died during this time. And considering that the loss of 24,000 students was so tragic that nearly 2,000 years later, we're talking here, what are we, 1,900 years since, since these events occurred, that we continue to mourn for their loss. So certainly we could appreciate the joy, the celebration of Lag Ba'omer, the day that this plague ended according to some opinions, or at least the day that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away, and he requested that instead of this being a day of mourning, instead it should be a day of rejoicing. Obviously, we we can we have we have Rabbi Akiva to thank for the perpetuation for the continuity of Jewish wisdom, of Jewish knowledge of wisdom of halacha of tradition, because despite his late start, and despite his terrible blow of seeing his students die during his lifetime. And with them, you could imagine the decades of effort that he, that he dedicated to teaching his students, to nurturing and training the next generation of rabbis. Yet he didn't give up. Rabbi Akiva did not despair. And he found new students and he taught them everything he knew. He invested in them. And the Gemara goes on to quote Rabbi Akiva that if one studied Torah in their youth, continue studying in your old age. Don't give up. And so, Rabbi Akiva invested in these five more students. He taught the entire Torah to them. He he trained them, each one to specialize in a particular area and aspect of Jewish law, of Torah. And so each one of these five students mastered one subject, one topic, one field of Torah study. And the student to me taught the esoteric, mystical secrets of the Torah known as Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, that was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the one great rabbi who passed away years later, but on this day, unlike Ba'omer, and it's his passing that's one of the reasons that we celebrate on this day, which we'll talk about in a moment, when we'll be right back. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Arikivan and today we're talking about the great festivities of Lag Vomer that we'll be celebrating this evening. And we were talking about Rabbi Akiva and the experiences of his life, his late start, the loss of his students during the pandemic. And in fact, I want to spend a moment to focus um, on that aspect of his history. You know, we, we think about 
we're going through coronavirus pandemic still ourselves, even though we're in a much better state now than we were a year ago. But nevertheless, on the one hand, one can look at a pandemic, at a tragedy, and see the pathophysiological reason why that's happening. You could say, well, there's a coronavirus in the world, and one could explain all the reasons for it. But the Talmud tells us that there's a spiritual reason why the students of Rabbi Akiva died during this time. And the Talmud explains it's because they failed to treat each other with respect. Now, what's surprising about that is that last week, you might recall this past Shabbos, we read the portion of Kedoshim, in which we read the verse, that's in chapter 19, verse 18. And it's interesting, the Talmud says that one day the great sages were talking about what their particularly favorite verse of the entire Torah was. So you can imagine one perhaps chose, in the beginning God created heaven and earth, just establishing the monotheistic beliefs, Perhaps another chose the Ten Commandments. Each one, offhand, I can't tell you what each one chose. Another famous one coming from Vayikra is Ben Pazi, who says, which is about a matter of consistency in life. But Rabbi Akiva chose this verse from last week's portion, to love your fellow as yourself. And in fact, if you read the commentaries, or we all might recall from B'nai Akiva camp, the, the song that we always sang, Amar Rabbi Akiva, Amar Rabbi Akiva, V'ahavta l'reyacha Right, Rabbi Akiva said, Zek klal Torah. This is the most fundamental principle of the entire Torah. So what's most surprising then is, why would it be that his own students would be deficient in this principle that their teacher taught is the most fundamental, greatest principle in the entire Torah, right? If Rabbi Akiva taught this, then he likely practiced it and influenced and taught and inspired his students to live by this concept. So is it possible that Rabbi Akiva's students really failed to absorb what their teacher considered the most important principle in the entire Torah? And there's obviously many answers to this. One is that Rabbi Akiva's students, they weren't lacking in love for each other, but they were lacking rather in respect for one another. Their love didn't translate into respect. Now, on the surface, love and respect might seem very similar, and there's certainly overlap between them. But there's also a huge difference between them. In fact, one of the greatest challenges in any relationship is managing the balance between love and respect. Love is a powerful emotion that drives our empathy, our concern, our care for one another. But at the same time, too much love could be overbearing, could be stifling. You know that phrase, smothered with love? Too much love or too untempered, if it's, if it's not disciplined, if it's not balanced, then it, it's without respecting another person's boundaries. And unfortunately, that's not a good thing. You know, everything in life, my mother of blessed memory used to always tell me, everything should be with moderation, including moderation. So even the love needs to be disciplined and balanced with respect. Respect gives people that we love the space that they need to make their own decisions to walk their own path in life. We need to respect others. We need to respect their opinions, even if we don't agree with them. But respect alone, of course, is not enough. Imagine watching someone jump off a cliff 
doing nothing to save their life because we don't want to intrude into another person's privacy. So there's a tension between love and respect. Too much of either one can throw off a relationship. The key to a healthy relationship is to find the proper balance between love and respect because we need that balance. Life in general always needs balance. And now the students of Rabbi Akiva, the Talmud doesn't say that they were lacking in love for each other. The Talmud says they were lacking in respect for one another. This tells us that Rabbi Akiva's students, they didn't fail to learn his great teaching of that his teaching of to love one another is the most fundamental principle. But they failed to balance that love with respect. Hasidus explains that that's human nature. Just as all the student, just as Rabbi Akiva's students struggled with this, oftentimes we also do. And what it, what Hasidus explains is that the students of Rabbi Akiva, perhaps they even had a, a feeling of the way they understand the teachings of the Torah is that's the correct way. And when someone else perhaps saw things from another perspective, from a different viewpoint, they couldn't come to an agreement because out of love for one another, they felt that the other person has the wrong perception. They don't understand it correctly. And that sadly led from a spiritual perspective, the spiritual symptom of this dreadful disease that cost so many of Rabbi Akiva's students' lives because they failed to find that proper balance between love and respect their focus on Rabbi Akiva's teaching on love filled the, them with a, a, a love so intense that they couldn't temper it with respect. They were unable to see their colleagues as as their perspective being worthwhile, their opinion, their viewpoint as valid as their own. So I think it's a reminder to ourselves as well, as we mourn their loss during this period of the Omer, and as about, as we are about to celebrate the end of that plague on Lag Baomer tonight, we have to take the time to reflect on the importance of healthy relationships in our lives. To follow the teachings of the Torah is not only about serving God, it's also about connecting properly with others. Just as there are mitzvahs that are between God and us, Ben Adam Lamakam, various, so many rituals, it's not my business if you keep kosher or Shabbos. It's between you and God. But there are other mitzvahs that are bein adam lachavera, that are between interpersonal relationships, between each other. Social mitzvahs. And God wants us to have healthy relationships with others. And to do so, we have to strike that balance between love and respect. We have to practice tempering our love with respect, and our respect with love. And so, each day of the Omer, while we devote the opportunity to refine a different aspect of our character, to learn to become a better person, not just in our relationship with God, but all the more so as well, in our relationship with others in this world. And certainly, if we could apply these lessons of the students of Rabbi Akiva, there's no doubt that we could become better human beings as well. And so, one of the students of Rabbi Akiva who passed away on this day was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. 
But Rabbi Shimon, he lived a very long life and he was one of the great teachers in Jewish history. That means he studied under his great teacher, Rabbi Akiva. And he was well known for his teachings, not only on Talmud and Halacha, but all the more so, he's known for his elucidation on the mystical aspects of Judaism, on the Zohar. Zohar is the, the, the foremost book of Kabbalah. Actually, for many centuries, the manuscript of the Zohar wasn't even known. It was actually only discovered and published in the 13th century. That's some um, 11, 1200 years after Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai lived. It was published in Spain by a great Mekubal, Moshe de Leon. And it is attributed to the teachings of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. So he gave us this great book, the Zohar, which literally means radiance. So the, <coughs> excuse me, the Zohar describes the remarkable fashion in which Rabbi Shimon passed away. On the day of his passing, he proclaimed that he had received heavenly permission to reveal mystical secrets that he only wanted to share. He actually wanted to share it his entire life, but he couldn't. And so on this day that he was given permission to do so, his face shone with a celestial brightness. It was impossible to gaze on him. And this great light enveloped his bed. And his students, they couldn't even bear it. They sat beyond the ring of this light outside. And perhaps this is one of the reasons why we light bonfires is to commemorate the great radiant light that he brought into this world through his teachings. And so Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, when he passed away, the students mourned for him all day. And towards the end of the day, they took his corpse, his body to be buried in a cave in Miran, which is in northern, northern Israel. The, there's a lot that the, the Zohar describes about that special day, but Rabbi Shimon did not want them to mourn. He didn't want them to be sad. Instead, he asked them that it be called Yom Hilula, which is like a wedding festival. Although the day of passing is certainly sad for family and friends who mourn the earthly absence of their loved one who's passed on. But in a sense, and this is something I oftentimes mention at funerals, as sad as it is, the Talmud actually comments that in ancient times, when boats would go off on a journey, boats would embark on their journey, there wasn't much of a fanfare of the boats departing. But when they returned from their journeys, which oftentimes were in turbulent waters or were susceptible to pirates and other dangers along the way, there was a tremendous celebration that this ship fulfilled its mission, the purpose for which it went on its journey. And so likewise, when a person passes on, there's what to celebrate. When a person, when a child's born, as great as a big simcha it is for us, We don't know what will be with this child, how the child will turn out to be. But when a person 
when, when one's life terminates. It's a time to reflect and in a way to celebrate the life that was lived. And so in that sense, since Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai brought so much light and teachings into this world, the day of his passing, as per his request, was a day of celebration. And since his life on earth was driven and dominated by his soul's connection with God, the soul's joy of returning to heaven and strengthening that connection was so great, so powerful, so strong. And this is what we celebrate in Lagba Omer. It's a day to dwell on the primacy of the soul, the purpose that the soul comes into this world and the joy that it takes from fostering a connection to God. For as long as we live soul and body, that connection is best cultivated when we work to fulfill the purpose for which God placed us in this world. And so on this day of Lagba Omer, the day Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away, it's a day to commemorate and to celebrate Rabbi Shimon's purpose, his mission in this world, because he brought such great light in his teachings. In fact, in a sense, he was spiritually superior because he felt that a person's life should be completely dedicated, committed to spirituality, and the other sages didn't necessarily concur with that because we also have to have a life of a balance of physical and spiritual. But nevertheless, the Talmud certainly talks about Rabbi Shema Bar Yechai's opinion that the spirituality should certainly be of primary importance to every human being in this world as Rabbi Shimon taught in the Zohar and you could see in many of his teachings throughout the Talmud that the point is how to, to live a life of basking in spirituality or primarily focused on embracing a spiritual life, which isn't so easy for everybody to do. So in the case of Rabbi Shimon, he spent 13 years in a cave in a way reclused from a materialistic lifestyle, which for him, the great sage and personality that he was, was something that worked, but is not something that could work necessarily for the rest of us. Yet, there's so much to learn from Hashem Bar Yechai's greatness that is certainly worthwhile to, to discuss. For example, Ultimately, eventually, when Rabbi Shemar Bar Yechai left his cave and started to come to terms with the mundane physical world, one of the things that most impressed him was when he saw somebody bringing home two bouquets of flowers. In fact, they were hadasim myrtles for Shabbos. And when he asked, why two? And the person explained, because one is for Shamar to observe Shabbos. And the other was Zachar, to remember Shabbos. He realized he was touched that indeed people are able to take the spiritual and apply it to the physical and to synthesize the two together. And our sages taught that when we remember Shabbos, the commandments to observe Shabbos, and this is something that this person personified was, was living up to. So this is part of you know, there's a lot to talk about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. The Talmud tells us so much about him and about his, his life in this world. On the one hand, it appears that he was 
a very spiritually oriented person, but it's pos- it's, it's worthwhile to look at other aspects about him because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai was also one who was deeply concerned for the welfare of other people in his life. It's true, he had high expectations of people, but at the same time, the Talmud tells us that he also had that empathy for other, for human beings too. And I think that's important that in life we have to find that balance. We talked about the love and respect that one should have balance. The Talmud relates a story that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai was able to, to cure for sinners in the world. So on the one hand, he was a very spiritually oriented person, but he was able to find the way to have that empathy, that concern for others in this world. And I think that aspect of Rabbi Shimon is an important idea to to focus on, which is the unconditional tolerance, love, acceptance of our fellow human beings, even if they have different perspectives than ourselves. So that's just another another angle, another aspect to understand about Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And certainly on this day of Lag Baomer, when we go out and celebrate, it's not only about celebrating the great sage that he was, but it's also about implementing the lessons that can be learned from him in our own lives as well. Are we living spiritually? Are we living too physically? Are we able to synthesize those ideas so we could be the best human being that we try to be? And I think this is idea of what Lagba Omer represents. In fact, it's the tomorrow evening, or sorry, this evening will be the Sphira account of Hod Shebahod. It is a time to, it's, it's the attribute that tells us that we have to be there for others in the most, in the most accepting and tolerant way that's possible. So this is true about our relationships with others, about our relationship with God. While learning about God and appreciating everything God does for us on an emotional level is important, uh, but we also have to have, for our relationship with God to blossom from our deepest selves, we have to make that complete submission to God. And this is part of what Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, whose life we commemorate today, taught us. And we'll be right back in a moment and talk about some of the traditions, customs, and ways to celebrate this unique and special day. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9. Chai FM, I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kivan. It's great to be with you here on this day. Erev Lagba Omer. And in this day, we discussed some of the unique, significant aspects of what's commemorated in this day, from the cessation of the death of the students of Rabbi Akiva, as well as the Yom Hilula, the commemorating the passing of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechai. With all that in mind, let's discuss a little bit about the traditions of Lagba Omer, how to celebrate. We rejoice 
we organize festive celebrations because it's the day that it was the wish of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai that this is what we should do on this day, to celebrate this as his day, not to mourn, not to be sad. So we don't say Tachanon in any of our prayers, starting from Mincha today. No Tachanon is recited. And all the morning restrictions that we've been observing for the past couple of weeks are all lifted tonight. Many people have a custom to illuminate their shuls with bright light to commemorate the soul of Rabbi Shimon, which the Zohar described as a great light, and to commemorate his book, the Zohar, which means radiance, which means a great light. So, in fact, the Bnei Yisascha says that this commemorates the Lag Ba'omer of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's passing, which was an unusually long day, and he says the sun did not set that day at its usual time. So, with that in mind, there's a lot of light we bring to the world. That's why people have bonfires and brides. It's certainly a great day to celebrate. And in fact, in Israel, the tradition is to build bonfires in a, obviously in a safe and legal manner. But all over Israel, tonight, you would see bonfires all over the place. Some have a custom to organize games around bows and arrows, which we discussed before, the idea that the rainbow was a symbol of God's oath not to destroy the world again, as God promised to Noah. And therefore, when people, when the world is deserving destruction, God brings out a rainbow as a reminder not to destroy the world. But in the time of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, because of his righteous greatness, there was no need for a rainbow in the sky because he himself personified that greatness. It was in his merit that the world was sustained in his time. And so we organize all types of events, especially for the children. And in schools, they, it's usually a day of outings and parades and other events, ideally to try to bring people and communities together in unity. Because after all, if we think about, if we consider what caused the death of Rabbi Akiva's students, it was that they didn't accord honor to one another. So we have to do whatever it takes to bring mutual unity, respect in the community. And so in Israel, thousands of people are going to be gathering tomorrow throughout Israel where, you know, it's the vaccination nation. So with so many people already vaccinated, it's much safer for them to gather together. And there will be all types of events from Miron this evening where people will be praying at the gravesite of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and they say it's an auspicious and appropriate time to pray there for the welfare of our brethren. And there's 24 hours of festivities with bonfires and music and dancing and singing. There will obviously be still some kind of restrictions due to COVID-19, but thank God Israel is in the vanguard leading the world in the right direction of, please God, recuperating from this horrible, dreadful pandemic. But of course, we got to put our focus on the children. And any kids who turned three over the last couple of weeks between Pesach and Lagba Omer will have their first haircut, their upshernish on this day. 
because usually it's a great celebration. But considering that during this time, one doesn't take a haircut, it is deferred, it's delayed to Lag Balmer. So tonight, tomorrow, you'll be seeing many people celebrating their upshurnishes, of course, making sure that this is the day that one begins the process of the Torah education, inspiring the children to be proudly Jewish and teaching them the mitzvah of leaving their payas, the sidelocks in the corner of their, of their heads, as well as the mitzvah of tzitzis and reciting the proper blessings. So this is certainly one of the great celebrations of Lagba Omer. Boys who turned three during Sfira because they couldn't have their haircuts until now will be having their haircuts this evening. If you're in Israel, you will experience in Iran so many haircuts taking place there. Again, this is the very first haircut, the Upshernish. Many people have a custom of eating carobs on Lagba Omer to remember the fruit tree that miraculously saved the lives of Rabbi Shimon and his son. The Talmud relates that although ordinarily it takes many years for a carob tree to grow, but a miracle happened for Rabbi Shimon and his son in the cave which they were hiding and a carob tree blossomed overnight as well as a spring of water for them to sustain themselves. So although Lag Baomer is not mentioned in the Torah or even in the Talmud, it's not a biblical or even a rabbinical holiday, but it is a day of tremendous significance. It's a day that's celebrated with great joy and fanfare. The greatest Jewish scholars have, have, have proclaimed this as such an auspicious, momentous occasion. It's a propitious day for increasing in Jewish unity, as we discussed. It's a good time to re, to, to confirm, to, uh, resolve to study more Torah, especially the deeper mystical elements of Torah. And you could say in a way that like Ba'omer is a holiday of the people. Unlike other festivals are God's gift to the Jewish people, holidays that God gave us in the Torah. But Lag Ba'omer is our gift to God. It's our chance to show God that we appreciate the gift of the Torah in general and all the more so for the concealed dimension, the mystical element, the Kabbalistic aspects of Torah. And so, although we're still practicing a little bit, we're still have to be safe with our social distancing, but we still need to celebrate this day in whatever way we can. So depending, of course, what level of restrictions you're up to, make sure to take some time tonight and tomorrow and reflect on how you can respect the people that you love and to love the people you respect a little bit more. What can we do? Pick up that phone. Make a call. Show the people who you love that you respect them as well. Make sure to gather our children and grandchildren and join a special Lagbaomer celebration or go at least onto one of the Lagbaomer Zooms. Go onto the Shmuza. Watch the Hatzalathan online and celebrate. Share with your family the thoughts, the lessons that you learned about Lagba Omer. And get some music on tonight. We need it. We need joy and celebration. And rejoice. Dance. Sing. Celebrate. Utilize this evening, this day of Lagba Omer, 
to enhance your commitment to Judaism, to study more Torah, and to be proudly Jewish, to celebrate as Lagba Omer is a day of Jewish unity and celebration.